give Matt a hand as he comes now to bring God's Word. I didn't run off. I uh, <laughs> could have, no. <laughs> Haven't done that yet. Maybe one day. Hey, uh, good, good uh, to be here tonight and let's listen to God's Word. Let's uh, allow Him to speak to us and continue to shape uh, our lives in the way that He wants. I want to start by just sharing a little bit of, uh, not, not so modern history, but uh, a, a bit of history anyway. Around the mid-third century, I want to share a little bit about that. So the Roman Empire around the mid-third century, around two, probably starting in 200 through to 250, was in a big period of decline. Uh, there was invasions from the north of the Roman Empire. There was really bad inflation. I'm sure you guys know what inflation is. And the empire itself was deeply divided. There was parties that were, were really against each other. It was starting, because of that, to disintegrate a little bit as, a, as an empire. It was a very strong empire up until that point. And uh, in 249 AD... A new emperor rises to the throne. His, uh, his name was Decius. And he rose to the imperial throne, determined to see if he could reverse the trend of decline in the Roman, Roman Empire. And there was obviously a lot of Christians in the empire at this time. Christianity has made it, had made its way from Jerusalem to the Roman Empire. Quite a number of Christians. And uh, this particular emperor's strategy in order to seek to uh, bring Rome back to where it might have been in the past was to secure the allegiance of the entire empire, to bring them together. And so what he did was he issued an empire-wide edict that everyone, every single person within the Roman empire, all the residents needed to prove their loyalty to Roman gods by making a sacrifice to the Roman gods in front of a Roman official which would, who would then give them a certificate to say that, yes, they have made a sacrifice to the Roman gods. You see, a lot of people in the um, imperial echelons of the empire at, the, at that time believed that the decline in the Roman Empire was being caused by the Christians because they weren't worshipping the Roman gods and, and the people in the, the top of the empire were thinking that the gods are against us because of these Christians. The Christians were being scapegoated. And so this Emperor Decius makes this edict, you must make a sacrifice to the Roman gods. Incredibly challenging situation you can imagine for the, the church in the Roman Empire at that time. And Eusebius is a church historian writing in around 400 AD, reflecting on these events. And he, he writes this, a little bit of a, a reflection on the Christ, some of the Christians, not all of them, some of the Christians' response to that edict. He said, soon came news of the change from the reign, i.e. the emperor who had been kinder to us, and the news of the threat of punishment filled us with foreboding. All, in other words, the Christians cringed in terror. Some of the better known Christians immediately came forward, in other words, came forward to make a sacrifice to the Roman gods because of their fear. Others in public positions, so within uh, the Roman Empire up high, did so, made a sacrifice to the Roman gods for professional reasons. And still others were dragged out of crowds by, by bystanders, bystanders to do so. Called up by name, they approached the unclean, unholy sacrifices, some pale and trembling as if they were not going to do sacrifice, but be sacrificed as victims to the idols. 
evoking mockery from the surrounding crowd. So these Christians are being called up to make a sacrifice to the Roman God. What would you do in that moment? I know it seems like a world away, doesn't it? Sitting here in Brisbane, in uh, Australia, uh, with none of that pressure, but, but maybe cast your mind there for a second. What do you think you'd do in that moment if you were called upon to make a sacrifice to the Roman God? If you didn't make that sacrifice, persecution was coming your way. Punishment and, uh, and potentially even death was coming your way. Now, 1 John 5, 3 to 5 says this, if we can get that on the screen. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you're a follower of Jesus here tonight, God wants to form in you, He wants to form in me, a faith that overcomes the world. A faith that when the forces of darkness and evil assault us, when they seek to stand against us and our allegiance to Christ and our obedience to Christ, however that may look, when we attempted to succumb to evil, God wants to form a faith in us that stays the course of doing what is right, of doing the will of God, even in those moments. Uh, we, we arrive tonight at the end of our series, Teach Us to Pray. I think this is our seventh week going through the Lord's Prayer. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, we see how you pray, Jesus. Can you please teach us to do that? And uh, this is how Jesus responds in Matthew's account. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I hope you've enjoyed this series as we've gone through this prayer. I pray that uh, over the last seven, eight, however many weeks it's been, that, that maybe your prayer life has been beginning to grow, that God has been placing in you a spirit of prayer. And tonight we wanna look at this last line that, that Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I wanna humbly suggest to you tonight that it's as we pray this prayer, as we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that God can form in us a faith that overcomes the world, that overcomes evil, that stays the course. This word temptation, lead us not into temptation, also means test or trial. It's the moments, it's the places in our experiences, in our lives where we are enticed towards doing what is evil, what is sin. James 1, 13 to 14 says this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Okay, God does not entice anyone ever to do evil. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. I wanna give you a couple of examples maybe of what this might look like. You're in your workplace and you're working and someone cuts you down. Your evil desire in that moment is seeking to drag you away to harboring a grudge or, or maybe getting revenge against that person or, or, or lashing out, saying something back. And maybe in your family, when there's conflict and tension and annoyances and, uh, and someone's doing something that's, that's really riling you up, in, in that moment, your desire, your flesh is seeking to go, to, to sort of get angry and, and maybe say a few things and maybe um, push them away and, and, uh, and respond in a way which is not honouring to God. Or maybe it's you that's actually causing temptation for someone else. Maybe you make a, a comment that is judgmental towards them. Uh, you, you say something to them justifying yourself maybe condemning them. And in that moment, they are actually enticed to do evil by what you have said, by what you have done. God never will ever, ever entice anyone to do evil. He can't, it's not in his nature. It's evil and the forces of darkness and the kingdom of darkness and of Satan that tempts us, that entices our flesh to do what is dishonoring to God. Evil Um, begets, creates more evil. Evil entices others to evil. It's sin that causes us, that that creates this tension in us that that wants our, our flesh in that moment as we are sinned against, we too want to actually respond in sin, in faithlessness to God. And this is a cycle that our world is just, has been caught in since sin originated in Adam. It's just a cyclical thing and it was getting worse and worse and worse. And the only way that that cycle could ever be stopped and reversed is if someone came in and overcame evil. If someone received unto them, unto them the highest, the limit case of evil And when that was done to them, they did not sin. They did not respond with evil. They repaid evil with good. Is it ringing any bells? (laughs) Jesus comes into a dark world. and, And as he receives the upper limit of evil that anyone could ever receive on the cross, Sin is killing a just man. That's the, upper lo- that's the upper case of injustice, of evil. As he receives that, he does not respond with evil. He breaks the cycle. He short circuits the process of evil that had been ravaging our world up until that point. On the cross, he overcame. And because he, he short circuited it, he, he actually started a new process that has been knocking on ever since. He said, because I have overcome, now by faith in me, you can overcome the world. Now when evil is done to you, you can repay it with blessing, you can repay it with good because I have short-circuited the process. Get your eyes on me, look at me on the cross as evil was done to me, I stayed the course, I remained faithful to God, I did what was right, even unto the point of death. And so now we too 
in the moments of test and temptation when evil is against us, seeking to stop us from doing the will of God, as we set our eyes on Him, we can actually do what is right. We can be overcomers. This is the faith that has overcome, belief in the Son, Jesus Christ. But to do this, we have to listen to Jesus' teaching and what He teaches us. He says, you need to pray. You need to pray. And you need to pray as I pray, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And I wanna uh, really humbly suggest to you tonight that the way that, the, the reason why he's inviting us to pray is because as we pray, we will go into the test, not by ourselves, but with God. As we pray, we go into the test when evil comes against us, not by ourselves, but with God. So firstly, I just wanna look at those two things tonight. They're the two headings. By praying, we go in not by ourselves, we go in with God. Firstly, we go in, uh, by praying, we do not go into the place of test by ourselves. 1 Peter 4, 7 says this, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And then 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Praying lead us not into temptation is us staying awake to the moments of test and to the moments of temptation. I wanna see if I can illustrate this a little bit more. I don't know whether you ever had this experience. A couple of years ago, my wife and I um, needed to buy a new car and uh, we were looking at a couple of models in particular that were going to suit um, um, a family. And we, we were visiting, I was doing a lot of research, we were really looking in lots of different places to be able to buy this particular car. And we went and visited a couple and they weren't quite um, appropriate for us, this one specific model. But you know what happened in that time, and you guys will be able to relate to this, as I was then driving around over those weeks, I started seeing this car everywhere. And I had never seen this car before. Have you ever had that experience? You're like, has this car always just been everywhere, like everyone has been driving this car and I just never knew. Up until that point, I wanna tell you, I, I was oblivious. The car, of course, heaps of people owned the car at that point. I just didn't notice it. But as soon as I'd become aware of what that car was and I'd done research and I'd looked at it a little bit, I just started seeing it everywhere on the road as I was driving. I don't know, has anyone else had that experience? To pray is to open our eyes, to stay awake. To pray this prayer is to stay awake to the devil that prowls around looking for someone to devour. This is what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 26, 40 to 41. They're in the garden. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch, stay alert with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. As soon as we stop praying, we fall asleep and we are sitting ducks for the enemy to pick us off. Jesus says, if we aren't praying, we are are going to be entering moments of test without even realising. And we're gonna be in there ourselves because we haven't 
we haven't submitted ourselves to God through prayer. We're just gonna find ourselves in test and temptation. And you know what's gonna happen? We are gonna be overcome by evil. We will not be able to be faithful in those moments if we have not been praying because we will be unprepared. We will have entered the test by ourselves and by ourselves we cannot overcome. But praying positions us under the leadership of God. Lead me not into the test. This is a prayer of leadership, submitting to God's leadership rather than just cruising around life on your own. If, you cru- if we cruise around life on our own, we are just gonna be picked off. Our faith will be crushed by the enemy. This prayer, lead us not into temptation, expresses the genuine desire and heart, I believe, of every Christian who says, I do not wanna go into the test. I don't want that place. This is what we, we must pray this to God. We say, God, I do not wanna go into the test. It's a, it's a hard place and I do, not, I do not wanna succumb to evil. And so please spare me from that. Do not take me there. We must pray this to God. I wanna be super clear. We pray, lead me not into temptation because we, we don't believe in our ability to endure that. It's a vote of no confidence in ourselves. This is a, an affirmation of our humility before God. It's a request that God would lead us away, at, not into the test, that He would protect us, that He would shield us, that He would um, enclose us so that the evil may not be able to come and test us. Does that make sense? This is what we pray. God, save me from the test. I don't wanna go there. And he does. God hears that prayer. If he didn't hear that prayer, he wouldn't invite us to pray it. This is the pattern we see reflected in in Jesus who in the garden was praying, not sleeping. Let's remember that for tonight. Let's pray, not sleep. Pray, not sleep. Maybe literally tonight you have to go home and pray and not sleep. Jesus in the garden, Matthew 26, 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus is praying, do not lead me into the test. I don't want it. I don't want it. If the son of God needs to affirm his humility and his inability to endure the test, if, he, if he's crying out to God for protection from that, surely we need to as well, hey. Surely we need to. Jesus sees the cross on the horizon and he's saying, I don't wanna go there. He does not wanna be subjected to the forces of evil on the cross. The forces that are gonna seek to knock him from the straight and narrow path of doing the will of the Father. He doesn't wanna go there. And so he prays. And praying means that he does not go there by himself. Right, so first thing, we pray, lead us not into temptation so that we don't go into the test by ourselves. We're not going there. God, I cannot go into the test by myself. Do not take me there. I don't want the test. Save me from it. Secondly, as we pray, we can, if God leads us, we can go into the test with him. By praying, if he leads us, and he may not, 
on many occasions as we pray that prayer, I really believe He will shield us from the enemy. He will shield us from the forces of darkness and evil. He will protect us. We will, we will be saved literally from circumstances in your life that would have tested your faithfulness to God. He does save us. That's why we must pray it because we have to be honest, right? Who wants the place of test? I don't. I don't want the place of test. And yet, even as we pray that, we submit ourselves, ourselves to God's leadership. Lead us not into temptation, but... And this is uh, what Jesus prays in the garden. He says, may this cup be taken from me, yet not what I will, but your will is. We say to God, I don't wanna go there. But at the same time as we say, I don't wanna go there, we say, I only wanna go where you take me. So it's not, it's not just about avoiding the test. Sometimes I think we live in this place where it's like, you know what I mean? We, we, we have to steer clear of, of those places that are difficult. But God, God, I think, has to lead us there to grow in us a faith that will overcome. This is what we see in Scripture. Abraham, all through the New Testament, they're, they're experiencing tests which God has, has led them into the place where evil has come against them. If we have prayed, lead us not into temptation, the first, then we know that if the test comes, um, we are under the leadership of God. Does that make sense? If we've prayed, I don't want the test, and it comes, he's obviously allowed it because he's heard the first prayer. He's heard the prayer that we don't wanna go there. And if it comes, um, we, are, we, we actually enter into that place with him. We know that, that he is with us in that place because he, we asked him to spare us. And so we know that if the test does come, if the evil does come against us, we are there with him. If we haven't prayed, we have no confidence in him being with us in that place. But if we have prayed, we can go into the test. We actually go into the test under his leadership. Not trusting ourselves in that place of testing, but trusting God. I hope that makes sense. I wanna see if I can explain it a little bit more. When I first graduated from, from uni, I started working at an accounting and finance firm uh, in a role there. And it was getting towards the end of my first year, I think is about when it was. And, and you'll know if, um, if you've started you know, a new job that it, it takes a while to really understand things. And this was my first job after uni. And so I was still quite green in that regard. And uh, I wouldn't have considered, I definitely wasn't an expert. And I, and I knew that I wasn't an expert at that time. And, uh, and one of our clients sent an email through and said, uh, we'd, like, we'd like to have a meeting. We need to have a meeting with you to discuss a few things. And, uh, and they sent that through and we looked at it and both my manager and my partner were unavailable, right? So that we're working a team of three. There's me, the manager and the partner. And both of them had other commitments for the time that the client um, wanted to meet uh, with us. And so I'm thinking in my head, well, they're obviously not gonna, you know, they can't send me. I'm totally green. I know nothing. So we're gonna have to reschedule this. And uh, the email comes through and we work all this out. And then my manager walks over to my partner and said, oh, I think we should send Matt. And I'm thinking, 
what are you talking about? Like, this is the end of my first year. I literally didn't know nothing. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I cannot go into this meeting by myself. Like that is just foolishness. I'm thinking, I'm gonna sign us up for things that we should never be signed up for. I'm gonna give wrong advice. Like I actually said to them, look, guys, I'm not equipped to do this. I can't do this is what I, is what I said to them. And they said, no, uh, we're gonna send you, you're gonna go. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm getting in the taxi. I'm super nervous. I'm, I'm like almost sweating. I think I'm going to this client. Like this is a big company that we're going to. And uh, I get into the meeting and I wanna tell you, I wanna tell you this. The only reason I could have ever gone, the only reason I went is because they sent me. Is because I had submitted myself to their leadership. I'd said, look guys, I can't go. I, I don't wanna go. I don't, I'm not able to go. I'd said that to them. They'd heard it and they sent me. The only reason I had any capacity to, to, to say anything in that meeting was because I knew that, that, that they, I had their confidence. Do you know what I mean by that? That I'd gone into that place under their leadership, not by myself. I didn't get that email and say, oh, well, guys, I'll go. Like, I'm, I'm plenty able to, to do that. I said to them, I can't go. And they sent me. But because they sent me and because you know, they, they'd been in the industry for 20, 30 years, whatever it was, I could trust that they knew what they were doing in sending me. And I went there, not reliant on myself, reliant on the decision that they had made to send me there. I wanna read you Acts 5, 40 to 41. The Pharisees uh, called the apostles in or, or the religious establishment called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. The disciples are rejoicing that God had considered them worthy to go into that test. Presumably the disciples had been praying, do not take us into the place of trial and test where we attempted to do evil. And I think someone flogging you is one of those places. And they received that and, and they stayed the course and they left rejoicing and say, praise be to God. He has grown a faith in us that is able to, to endure in that place. Incredible, incredible. Another example, Helen Rosevear was a missionary who went to the Congo in uh, I think the 1950s to the 1970s. And she wrote a book and this is a story that she writes of her being captured by the rebel forces in the Congo and, uh, and what happened to her at this moment. She says this, as I stood trembling, horrified and miserable against a pillar on the veranda, the Lieutenant stuck his pistol in my face and demanded that I should declare that Patrice Lumumba, which is the, the guy who is looking to take power, is the saviour of the world. Others persuaded him not to shoot me. Though I almost wished he would, my heart was at peace with Jesus. Driven down the corridor again, part of a verse of scripture came into my heart, led like a lamb to the slaughter, Isaiah 53, 7. I felt his strength taking possession in my weakness. He went to the shame of the cross in order to save me 
and he had not resisted that terrible night at Calvary. Then it was as if he spoke to me, can you thank me? This is God speaking to her. And every ounce of my energy wanted to scream out, no. How could I, how could I thank him for this wickedness and evil? But his quiet voice went on. Can you thank me for trusting you? Can, can you thank me for trusting you? Now that was an amazing thought, she says. For, him, for me to trust him, yes, absolutely. I knew that. But for him to trust me was a fantastic turn of the situation. Was he saying to me, yes, I could have kept you out of this situation. I, I could have rescued you, but I thought I could trust you to go through this with me as I have a plan and a purpose for the future. Somehow in the darkness of that appalling night, I managed to say to my dear Lord, I wanna tell you, this woman knows Jesus. I managed to say to my dear Lord, I don't understand what you may be doing or who can be helped through this ordeal. I was certain we would all be killed. But yes, if you ask this of me, thank you for trusting me with this experience, even if you never tell me why. Immediately, I knew that he was with me, that he knew what was happening and that he knew how this could help forward his plan in future days. Yes, the pain was still there. He did not take away the evil, the shame, the pain, but so too was an overwhelming sense of his peace, his presence and his love. Isn't that an incredible story? See, at the end there, Helen is, is rejoicing like the disciples. I have been considered worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. God had birthed in her a faith that was overcoming the world. If we have prayed to God and said, God, save me from the test, I don't want it. If we have prayed that, and if God has led us to the place where the test does come, then we can and we must cry to him, deliver me from evil. Remember, God doesn't, do the evil. He's not the one enticing us to sin. But he, he will lead us to a place. He has to. We're in a sinful world, just as Jesus came into the sinful world. He will lead us to places where that evil does come against us and test our faithfulness to Christ. And we cry out. In, when we're in that place, we cry out, God, please deliver me from this evil that is coming against me. Deliver me because I don't know how long I can endure. I am weak, I need help, God, deliver me. And if we pray that, we can trust that until he does deliver us, we can persevere. If you are in the, the test where evil is coming against you and you have prayed, God, you, you need to deliver me from this evil because I'm I'm there's a possibility that I will cave in here. If you have prayed that, you can know for sure that until he brings deliverance, whatever that looks like, you will be able to persevere. Again, in the place of test, we submit to the leadership of God. This is what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you, has come to you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted, tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out, deliverance so that you can endure. If we have prayed, God, deliver me, we can trust that until He does, I can endure. I can persevere, James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If God has led us to the place where the test comes, and if in that place we've asked Him to deliver us, to take us out of it, then we can persevere in doing good, in staying faithful, in doing what is right until He delivers us. This is how an overcoming faith is formed in us. It's as we pray that, that God comes into our corner in the test. It's as we pray that we know He is with us in that place. We're not there by ourselves. God is with us for we have prayed. To pray is to have faith in God. It's to call upon Him and His resources. To pray is to receive His help, is to enable us to persevere and for Him to grow in us a faith which overcomes the world. This is the pattern we see in Jesus. Before the cross, he said, I don't want the test, but not what I want, but what you want. And God leads him to the place where the test comes. Evil is, is assaulting him. That the height of it, injustice, absolute insanity, that, that evil men would kill the holy God. And Jesus is on the cross and he, he cries out, the beginning of Psalm 22. And I wanna read you the first five verses because I believe Psalm 22, Jesus crying this out on the cross, is Him crying out, God, deliver me and I will persevere until you do. Psalm 22, one to five. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's in the test. Jesus is in the test. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? Where is God? God, I'm in the test. Evil is assaulting me. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. That's verses one and two. Check out three, four and five. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises, Jesus says. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Jesus on the cross is affirming his faith in the Father. The evil is coming against him, but I'm, he's saying, Father, I'm staying. I'm seeking to stay the course, but I need you to deliver me from this. I, I can't receive this forever. I can't endure this forever. Make a way out. Make a way out. One, uh, two, 2 Peter chapter two, I think verse five, it says that. It says, God is faithful to deliver the righteous. He is. And God delivers Jesus. He dies and he says, my father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And Acts 2, 24 says this. 
but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on on him. Jesus overcame. Jesus is our circuit breaker. It's as we look at him who overcame that we too can have a faith that overcomes. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trial. You will have tests because there's evil in the world. Take heart, stay the course and look at me for I have overcome. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? The evil that comes against you tomorrow in your workplace, you do not need to be overcome by it. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of your faith, who overcame for the joy set before Him, endured the cross, scorning its shame and sitting down at the right hand of the Father. Let's set our eyes on our Saviour. I love this uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, atheist philosopher says this, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You've all heard that. And apparently Kelly Clarkson sings a song on it as I Googled this. The other thing that I found as I Googled was I remember when we were building this auditorium, one of the concreters, or sorry, one of the CBD guys, he said to me, did you actually know that concrete gets stronger as it ages and as, it, as weight comes upon it? And I was like, that's incredible. You know, you'd think that it'd be strongest at the start and then it would get weaker as, as pressure comes upon it. And I, I Googled this, I remembered this and I Googled it. And uh, there's this article which references Friedrich Nietzsche. And, uh, and it's, apparently it's true. And there might be someone, there's a chemical engineer I'm sure here who needs to fact check this tonight, all right? So come up to me afterwards and just make sure I've got this right. But it suits the sermon, so I'm gonna run with it in this moment. All right, so, so this article says, the reason, uh, this article says that concrete, as it's pressurised, as stress comes upon it, gets stronger is what the article says. And it says the reason, Professor Alex Hansen says the reason concrete is so strong is because it's so weak. And uh, the article's like, it doesn't make sense. And I'm thinking in my head, that doesn't make sense. But it goes on to explain it. It says, as the, the test comes to the concrete over time, the strong parts of the concrete move and surround the weak parts of the concrete. And so as the pressure comes upon, the overall strength of the concrete is more. You know, you might be thinking, well, why does God have to lead us into the place we're tested, where we're tempted? Why does he do that? Why does he just take us out of the world, send us to heaven where that doesn't even matter? Because he needs to form in, in us a faith that overcomes evil. Because if, if, if he doesn't, in fact, we, we are gonna be susceptible to evil. We, 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 we will remain weak and he can't have us like that. You know, it's like the boxer. Why is he the world champion when, when, he, when he gets the belt? You know, why does the boxer get the belt? Because he's beaten everyone else. He's tested himself against all the ones who were stronger than him and he is now strong. This is what... God's doing when he leads us into the place of the test. He actually uses the evil against itself. How good's that? God's pretty good. The evil comes against us and we have a stronger faith in God. Hallelujah, church. 
when the evil comes against you in the workplace tomorrow, if you will cry out to God, I don't want this God, do not lead me there and deliver me, that evil can actually strengthen your faith, make you stronger, more committed to God. The place where your commitment to something is tested is the place where the strength of that commitment is grown. I wanna say that again. The place where your commitment to something is tested is the place where your commitment to something is grown. If you're married here tonight, you'll know what I'm talking about. You don't even need to be married to know this. You'll know if you're married here tonight that the place of test in your marriage test of your commitment to each other. They're the places where if you will keep walking, strength comes. Commitment grows. It's stronger as a result of those tests. This is what God's doing. He's using the evil against itself to grow our faith, a faith that will overcome the world. In the place of test, impurities are burnt off of our faith. In the place of test, our faith is purified, it is, it is strengthened. If God never led us to the place of test, we could not overcome evil. 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So, so the church is suffering. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then he goes on at the very end of the letter to say, 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9, be alert, therefore. Come on, there's there's tests, there's trials around the devil. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He writes in 1 Peter 4, he says, entrust as you are suffering, entrust yourself to God. And so I just wanna encourage us tonight. I believe God's word to you tonight. If you profess to be a follower of Jesus, we need to pray and we need to pray God, I do not want the test. We pray that. God, I don't want that. Save me from it. Please lead me. Don't lead me to the place where that is gonna happen and he will protect you. There will be instances where you'll look back and you'll say, man, God's hand of protection was on me. And yet not what I will, but what you will. God, if you are wherever you lead me, as you lead me to the place where tests will come. I'm trusting you. I wanna go there with you, not by myself. I need your energy, your empowerment and resource in those moments. And as we get into the test, we pray, God, deliver me from evil. I can't endure this. I will cave in, I will succumb. And he will provide a path out. But until then, we can persevere. This is why we pray. If we do not pray this, we're just, going to be, we're, we're, we're just going to be overcome. It'll be way too hard. You'll get into work tomorrow, uni tomorrow, evil will come against you and, and you'll just cave. But maybe if you pray tomorrow morning, maybe if you pray, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil, you will be alert, number one, 
First of all, you'll be alert. You'll see the evil coming, the test coming. You'll say, God, save me from it. And if he, if he says no, remain, you will be able to persevere. You'll be in the spirit, not in the flesh. This is incredible good news. God is forming in us a faith that, that overcomes, but we need to pray. That's our part. He'll form in us the faith, but we have to pray. We have to pray and that will enable us to remain faithful. So why don't we just do that now? Let's pray together. Our Father, we come to you tonight as people that are so grateful for Jesus. Darkness, evil reigning, Satan ruling, the deceiver, the enemy, the evil one. Evil breeding more evil, evil begetting more evil. You saw it all, it broke your heart. Your heart was, oh, you were so grieved to see your creation destroying itself, imploding like a Roman empire. You said, I'm gonna do something. Cost you a lot, you came in. You actually came into the place where you knew you would be tested but you came in as the strong one, the strong one, hallelujah. Jesus, the victor. No, no evil too powerful for Him. He comes in, He receives it all, all the tests, that the most that evil could throw at Him, all the waves of evil wash over Him and they are extinguished in Him for He repays it with good. He, he stays the course. He remained faithful, loving, good. On the cross, He cries out, Father, forgive them. On the cross, He's arranging, you arranged, Lord, for your own mother in the flesh to be looked after by one of your closest mates. Who are you, Jesus? Who are you? We need your faith. We need what you have, God for the evil to come against us and for us to be just looking to others and serving them and loving, not repaying evil with evil, repaying evil with blessing. Oh God, you call us tonight to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the one who overcame. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And so we pray as you taught us to, God, we do not want the test. You can save us from the test. Lord, we're weak. God, we're humble. We cannot endure the test by ourselves if we are in the flesh, we will succumb. So God, do not take us there tomorrow in the workplace, in the university, in the home. God, do not take us into the test, the place where, where we will be enticed to do evil. Lord, we're staying alert tonight as we finish this service. We're staying alert. God, we're just looking around and just keeping our eyes peeled. We don't want that, God, save us from it. And yet not what you will, Lord, but what, sorry, not what we will, but what you will. We need to follow you. The only place of safety is in your will, is under your wing, is under your leadership. And so I wanna just pray for you right now. Maybe you're in the place of test tonight and you know that there's a situation in your heart and you're thinking, I'm, I'm right now, I'm tempted to, to do evil. I just wanna pray for you in this moment, just call upon Him. He hears, He hears. Say, God, deliver me from this place. God, I can't endure it. 
I can't persevere unless you are with me, unless, uh, unless I know you are here. And so ask Him to deliver you. And maybe He will tonight. Maybe that thing that's coming against you, that evil that's coming, maybe He'll deliver you tonight. Call out to Him, ask Him, God, deliver me. I can't endure it. Lord, save me from this thing that is, I, I'm tempted to sin. God, help me, deliver me. And as you call upon Him tonight and you pray that earnestly, if He doesn't deliver you, you know what? You have the strength to persevere. He's with you. He's with you. So be faithful tomorrow and this week as you head out into the test, if He doesn't take it away, be faithful. Stay with Him. And maybe you're here tonight and, uh, and as we're praying now, you know, oh no, I've succumbed. There's a specific area of your life and you're saying, oh, I've been done. I've been defeated. I've been overcome. God is the forgiver. He is the restorer. You know, Peter, he was overcome. Jesus went to the cross and Peter was overcome. Evil overcame Peter and Jesus restored him oh, so beautifully. And so tonight, if you've been overcome and you know it, there's that area in your life where you're saying, God, I've been done over by the enemy. I've, I've, my evil has come out. My flesh was tempted and I have sinned. Just come to Him now, receive His forgiveness. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. He wants to set you back on the narrow road. He's saying there's another chance for you, brother, sister. There's another chance. It's not too late. It's not too late. Fix your eyes on me. On the cross I came in so that you might now overcome. If you've been overcome in the past, it doesn't matter. I wanna restore you and make you an overcomer. Fix your eyes on me, receive my forgiveness tonight. Just, just let His forgiveness and His love wash over you tonight, if that's you. We pray these things in Jesus' Name, Amen. Let's stand together and sing. And uh, this song says, God, I look to You. It's a cry of saying, God, I need Your help. God, I'm, I'm in a place where I just, I'm calling out. We always need His help. Whether we're in the trial or whether we're not, we need His help. Let's call upon Him. God, I look to You. You are my strength. You are my shield.
Father, we, we thank You that You're a God that we can turn to and look to and in those times where we feel tested or those times where we feel tempted, great God, that we can cry out to You and Your Word says You'll never leave us nor forsake us, great God. And what a promise, what a reminder to us, Father. And there may be some actually even right now watching online that are just facing some stuff where they think, I don't even know if I have the courage to be able to walk away from this or the strength to be able to overcome this. And I just pray, Lord, well, we pray specifically actually right now for those that are in the midst of that temptation. Help them, great God. Help, Lord. Help them to, 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 to show a way out of that. But if you want them to go through it, Lord, then give them the strength and the courage to be able to walk in that as You've promised that You will do, Father God. And uh, Lord, it's just an extraordinary thing to know that we can literally come to the Creator of the universe. We sung about it earlier. We sung about the God who spoke and breathed this world into being. And, and to think that we can come before You and say, God, I need Your help in this, knowing that You hear our prayers and that You act on those prayers, that You're a faithful God. And it brings extraordinary confidence, great reminder to our hearts and to our lives, Father. So we thank You, Lord. and. And uh, Lord, continue to help us. I just sense, God, that this is, this is true on, a, on an individual level, but certainly on a corporate level as well, great God. And I just, uh, I, just, I just sense that you're starting to work powerfully in and through people's lives and what you're wanting to do over the next few years or several years, great God. This is a prayer that needs to be on the forefront of our hearts and minds. Help us, great God, in those areas of temptation. Help us to stand strong, to stand firm, great God, we pray. And so help us individually, but certainly on a corporate level, we do ask. And so, Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty and precious Name. Amen. Amen. I do want to just say this as well, that if you want prayer at all, this is really important. Feel free to come down afterwards and we'd love to pray for you. Um, and uh, actually, if you're watching online, you can email through at hello at bridgman.org.au um, and uh, send through your prayer requests also. But uh, God bless you. Um, whatever you're doing this week, may God use you powerfully. And if you want to hang, hang around afterwards as well, we'd love to catch up for dinner outside in the courtyard area too. But yeah, have an awesome week and uh, we'll see you soon.